Okay. Everyone's tired. We've done lots of hitting. It's time to talk. Hill, Hill, Blissfield High, Chomp, Chomp, Chomps, our battle cry. When our beavers come to fight, feel our glory and our might. Yeah? What's your favorite movie? I tell people it's Eternal Sunshine, but it's Pitch Perfect too. TV show? Sabrina. Favorite snack? Triple Berry Gushers. Who's your biggest crush? The Booker Hooker. <laughs> Shake, bitches. Hello, and welcome back to that podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week, and especially this year, we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was he was here, but he said something about needing to tend to his anteater, and I, I just frankly didn't know they, they had any pets, which, you know, whatever. It's COVID times. Everybody needs a comfort animal or something or pile or friend or whatever. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you, like waking up in a body not your own, back into 2020 with the final entry. The final entry in the series 2020-2020 We're going to get freaky today as we look back at films released last year that we just didn't get around to, but I... I'm getting ahead of myself because here at the fear of God, we explore. We don't explain except for right now. When I explain that you can listen to the fear of God at your nearest podcast platform, you can watch the fear of God on YouTube and you can browse the fear of God on the web at the fear of God podcast.com where you will find read. Hey, <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Welcome back. Oh, you're, hi. You're, you're in your own skin, which is good to see as always. I am. Um it's good to feel back, you know, comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you are, because that matters. Sense of place and purpose. Um yeah, it's time for since speaking of purpose, it's time mm. for a little business time. Why don't you mm. tell the listeners what we are needing from them right now? 
Absolutely. A lot of you have already done this, and we are really appreciative for it. But what we are doing this year is we are focusing, and in fact, we are starting this ball rolling next week. So stay tuned for that. Oh, but um, we are spending the first half of this year and actually the entirety of the year digging into one of our key philosophical tenets, that of examining what scares us in order to find what saves us. And in an effort to prop up a lot of the what scares us part, we want to hear from you what scares you. And it can be anything from your childhood, from recent days, whatever it is, we want you to go to the fearofgodpodcast.com. We want you to click on the banner on the top. That will take you to a little entry form where you can tell us who you are and your email address, and then tell us a little bit of your story. What uh, film or book or magazine cover or painting or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. Just tell us yeah, what sure. what scared you as a child or as an adult or in the last or last week or whatever it is. And the great thing about it is that if you're so inclined, this is a great opportunity for you to help program some of our content. So if there's a film what? that you're like, what? That you're like, man, I really wish that Nathan and Reed would someday get to this, then Tell us about it. Tell us. Encourage us to to cover it. We will hear that. A lot of you have already done that. And in fact, I got really excited sort of browsing some of the submissions that we've already seen where I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be fun because it's a nice eclectic mix of different things to cover. Some things I haven't even a couple of things on there I hadn't even seen yet. So I'm like, that's very exciting. Some so, of you want your own series of what scares us oh absolutely um, yeah no absolutely we love it i think, I think we are gonna for th- that would be even better is like to do for some of them because one thing we should mention is that if you've already submitted by all means submit again like if you have another do, entry, it, again. Just like, <laughs> do it again keep uh keep coming in with uh all of your what scares us routines nathan last week mentioned uh you know reading dean Kuntz winter moon and the place my mind went was cuddling up every Saturday night uh, on Nickelodeon's programming. Nickelodeon had like Saturday Night Nick and they called it Snick and it was Doug and Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy and it always ended on Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I, mm. I remember that used to freak me out and I, I've, I've recently, well I say recently, uh, within the last couple of years I found some of the episodes were available for sale digitally and uh, watched them and actually some of them still hold up really really well yeah. for a kid's horror TV show. So that was you who so submitted that, that was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that was me. I actually have done most of them, so oh, Okay, don't, yeah, yeah. Don't tell. No. Lead Racky was a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I, I I no, I did not submit any. But um we want you to and uh if you haven't already done this, please make every effort to do this. Uh just tell us about your submission of what scares you. We'll be reading some of if not all of these stories on the pod. Uh we'll be covering some of the material that we've been presented that we haven't already covered. Um it's going to be a really fun series. We're going to be spending the first half of the year doing that starting next week. So, I'm very excited. Listeners, yeah. get to it. Another small bit of bit of bubble up bit of business time come join the facebook group have a grand old time Mm -hmm. uh follow us on the old insta write a review on itunes check 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 all of it yeah that's uh that's that's business time read that's a business um i think i'm gonna because i liked it so much i'm gonna gonna revisit our old i just love canada all right here we go what you watching what you reading what are you listening to? <laughs> really, awesome. that's why I, I love yes. that one so much. Just the, the, 
the yeah. lilt because that's perfect. what i would do there's that's, a lot of energy yes brent and i just, are on the same wavelength yes, I, I'm it, down just, it just brings it all up um last week you went first no that's not true last week i went first this week you're gonna go first oh am i okay all right well so, you did your your dissertation on, I did. Ooh, wow on, no <laughs> it was the- <laughs> i mean i just mean it was lengthy and thoughtful i don't mean yes, it was oh, like yes okay, boring and sure. pedantic yeah Definitely okay okay you sure. never um, read <laughs> so um all right so I'll, I'll i'll mention one i've actually i'm now at the stage where you know we try to keep these watch and read and listens a little focused uh but i've now i've now read like four books that i could mention but i'm gonna mention one um you're so, not allowed no 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna mention one specifically because this is the most interesting and exciting there's a book i forget when it was released it only came across my radar like a couple of months ago but it's a book by an uh, an author, screenwriter, producer uh, named Mallory O'Mara, and it is a book called The Lady from the Black Lagoon. And uh, the subheading on it is uh, Hollywood Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick. I did not know this prior to reading Mallory O'Mara's book, that The Creature from the Black Lagoon, which is a film we've covered on the show, mm-hmm. was designed by a woman. That woman used to be an... Uh, an illustrator and uh, an artist for Disney. In fact, uh, she was a, uh, a, if not the animator, a heavy uh, part of the animation for the uh, Night on Bald Mountain sequence in Fantasia with okay. that you know really horrific imagery and everything. Um, and so this book chronicles the the way in which her legacy has in many ways been subdued, subverted, buried by people. It, it also chronicles Mallory O'Mara's sort of detective efforts to try to uncover Millicent Patrick's story. So what, it, what is really great about the book, it's incredibly readable. It's really entertaining. It almost reads like, like a fictional novel, but it's not. None of it is fiction. And uh, it kind of is this unique blend it's like part detective story with Mallory O'Mara's trying to sort of uncover the clues about uh, Millicent Patrick. It's also part Hollywood biography about Millicent herself. Um, and it's also in large part an examination of the cultural obstacles of women in creative industry. Mm. And, um, and, and it's a really, really just all around excellent book. There's a world, I don't know if anything like this would ever happen, but there's a world if, you know, Mallory O'Mara, wherever she is in the world, if she was interested in like, you know, having a conversation with us about her journey writing this book or whatever, I would love to pick her brain a bit about it because it was such an incredibly entertaining book. It was, uh, Reed, it, was it was really great. Grand innovation of the last, I don't know, quarter century plus oh, really? called the internet that oh that could, thing could provide you with maybe what you're after to find Miss O'Mara maybe uh, I just don't want to I just don't want to uh, proverbially put anybody on the spot who isn't interested in di- in doing that so uh, I'm just saying like if there's a world in which Mallory O'Mara either hears this or if we reach out yeah, and she you know you know one of those things uh, but sometimes you have to go after a thing Reed well, that's a good point if you want to talk to Mallory point. let's uh, try to get her on the show that, that's a fair so point. you heard it here first everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless of whether or not she is a, an eventual guest or not, the book is really incredible, and I highly recommend it. It is called The Lady from the Black Lagoon by Mallory O'Mara. It is uh, Hollywood Monsters and the Lost Legacy of Millicent Patrick. It's a wonderful book, very entertaining, and especially if you've seen the film The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, it, it, it's really uh, So is the Hollywood book. Monsters of the subtitle a reference to more work she did beyond the creature design of the creature or a metaphorical reference to 
the executives and and patriarchy enmeshed in the Hollywood system that kept her a little bit of both. Okay, but, but based a little on bit of both, a little bit of both. But based on the tone of the book, it is more so about the patriarchal subversion of women sure. who have long gone oppressed and uncredited for the substantive contribution they've had in the in in the industry since the 30s um and and even before that but you know this this story specifically is about millicent patrick and her work for disney um, which would have been around the the you know 40s as it sure. were 30s and 40s so well very cool thank you so, for yeah. that offering riri yeah um, it's a good book. someone i enjoyed it let's get mallory on the horn um <laughs> so reed back a month or so ago at this point on Cobra Kai, my brother Josh, Quiet. um, <laughs> uh, no sensei, um, <laughs> made a reference to a family gag that had developed of oh, my, that's right. at the time, semi reluctance to watching Ted Lasso and how I would occasionally get texts from my sister, my brother, once in a while, my dad. And literally the text is just, have you seen Ted Lasso? Uh, such that after even the last episode, or I'm sorry, after Cobra Kai aired, friend of the show, uh, personal friend Matt Murray just randomly texted me, have you seen Ted Lasso? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Joke's on all of y'all, because I've seen Ted Lasso now. Wow. I was like, wow. no more of this. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, yeah. No more of this. Showed them. Fie on Showed you. them. Be gone. Yeah. This memifying my life um <laughs> read read um have you seen ted last <laughs> i haven't but it is on my it is on my it's on my radar because so, i've heard really great things from a lot of man people. so yes. it is if you are listening to this i'm asking you it's like it's like a altar call <laughs> have you have you seen Ted Lasso? It's like an altar call. And if you've and if you've not, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to exhort, mm. I'm going to challenge you mm. to mm. either spend the five bucks for a month subscription or to do the old free trial of Apple Plus TV service thing and watch the ten episode ten thirty minute episodes, glory be, of <laughs> Ted Lasso, because read if you let Ted into your heart, it'll change you. That's uh, awesome. But in 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 uh, sincerely, um, it is the most lovely, uncynical, heartfelt, heartwarming. Uh, occasionally, uh, gets you choked up. A uh, bit of bit of TV, and everyone should watch Ted Lasso. That's awesome. Um, That's exciting. The way I sort of described it to you is, it feels like. If Ned Flanders was Coach Taylor, and but instead mm -hmm. of instead of kind of the show making fun of Ned Flanders in this scenario, they want everyone to be like him, and it's really mm -hmm. beautiful. And I mean, my wife and I watch it together, and we're like, "Ah, oh, let's turn that back on." We haven't done that yet, but I would happily sit back down. Oh, and, and just rewatch re the whole yeah. thing. No, yes. that's wonderful. It's, that's wonderful. It's, it's hysterical. It is hysterical. Um, you know, sharply written excellently performed by everyone and just dad gummit you'll get to the end of it and you there's a scene uh at, and i think the last episode of the season that you're like wow i am impressed with the level of of heart and Aww. there's 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 a 
a moment in it that's indicative of just a faithful spirit at work in the show that you're like, wow, I am impressed they pulled that off and did that. But that's yeah. awesome. That's uh, awesome. Prioritize Ted Lasso because it it's Heard. been nominated for a Golden Globe for Sudeikis and for the show itself. Mm, and nice, you know. People are going to be talking about Ted Lasso. It's going to be a thing. People, it's going to, I don't know, it's going to make some waves. And I'm, you want to get on the Lasso train before. Okay. I want to be roped in, if you will. And in fact, by the even Lasso. If it, yeah, even if it left the station, it's so, it's so beautiful and tenderhearted. It would come back around for you and pick you up. So I do have a question, and I Ask want you to, to answer it as tactfully yes, as possible. I have seen Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, does it end in such a way that feels complete or does it, is it in that way that they were anticipating future seasons? So there are lots of threads left dangling. Um, no, there's one, there's one explicit thread dangling, but, but no, the, the season itself is a complete story is complete. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's exciting. Awesome. Um, yeah. So that ladies and gentlemen has been, all right, here we go. What you watching? What you reading? What are you listening to? <laughs> awesome. Brent is going to be so tickled or so ticked. <laughs> tickled or ticked. That's how people get when they listen to tickled, us. Tickled or ticked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Read. All right. All right. All right. So. Set us up. The story in brief. Let's get freaky. It's just that. Let's get freaky. So we were originally planning to cover uh, Relic, but we mm-hmm. decided not to because uh, as of the uh, as of this recording, and as of the time leading up to this recording, you are not able to buy, or no. sorry, you're not able yep. to rent. You are only able to buy Relic, um, and we just didn't want ourselves to to have to sort of expend that money for it and uh, make our listeners expend that money for it as well. So. In that spirit, we decided to pivot away, and in a rather bold move, um, we decided, like, you know what, since we've got to recalibrate entirely, and this is the series where we do it, why don't we, you know, look beyond the list and just look at whatever is out there? I had recently seen Freaky, and I was like, you know what, Freaky's- I had recently gone Freaky. <laughs> <laughs> had you now? <laughs> and that's how, that's how our text exchange went. You know, yeah. I just saw Freaky, and you're just like, well, I just got Freaky. Me oh, too! <laughs> so we decided to pivot over to Christopher Landon, the director of Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day to You. And I recently discovered, though I have not seen it, I'm going to have to seek it out because I like the rest of his work, Scout's Guide to the Apocalypse, which I've never seen. Hmm. I guess he wrote and directed that. And if someone happens to know Mr. Landon, just, you know, I don't know if he ever stumbles <laughs> upon, just yeah. sort of happenstance stumbles upon our show. Yeah, of course. Uh, by all means, we'd love to talk to him. Um you go out. You go after him. Reed. You just forget well, it. Go ahead. Uh, okay, you're right. Yeah, Freaky. Yeah. You you ask people. I ask like the world. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, yeah. uh, air hey, world. Bre- yeah, Akio. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Akio so, director. Yes. Um. So yes. So we decided we would go ahead and pivot over and cover Freaky, starring uh, Vince Vaughn and uh, I got this wrong the last time I tried it. It's Catherine Newton. Um, so Vince Vaughn and Catherine Newton starring in this, uh, essentially now my, my sincere question for you is, have you ever seen any of the films? Like the, there've been several remakes of it. I saw the Jamie Lee Curtis one. The Jamie Lee Curtis one. Okay. Great, 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 great. I love, I love that Jamie Lee Curtis movie. I mean, I, I, 
you know, you asked it. I seen it. You didn't ask. Like, do I remember <laughs> anything about it beyond it's a body swap movie? That, that's it. Well, <laughs> that's, whoa! The, hey, the, hey, the hey, hey! You do love drink that went one. down the oh, road. Like, oh, I'm getting freaky. Well, get, get a little freaky. So, um, <laughs> so no, it. Uh, I remember distinctly, and my wife teases me that I bring this up every single time somebody brings up Freaky Friday, starring Jamie Lee Curtis. At the time, there was a pretty big sort of push for fans of that film saying that she should be nominated for an Oscar for her portrayal really? in that film. Yeah. She, and she's really, really good. Um, and it was, you know, started in brief, this conversation about how, yeah, by and large comedies aren't really respected by the Oscars, particularly mm-hmm. not for like, you know, prestigious awards. Um, and, and that was really interesting. Major awards. Uh, it's a major award. So, um, but basically the, um, yeah, the Freaky Friday is just like the body swap movie. Something happens where usually an adult who's very sort of, um, stodgy or very sort of, uh, refined gets transplanted into the body of a rambunctious teenager and, uh, they swap places and have to navigate each other's lives for a little while. Same concept here. Um, and in this one, because it's a horror film, you're dealing with a psycho serial killer, uh, played by Vince Vaughn, who, uh, through the course of the film, body swaps with Catherine Newton, who a is girl. a plucky sort of teen. Uh, she, she's, uh, a, a little bit of a nerd, which is very endearing. And she's also, um, you know, just, just kind of a down to earth sort of teen, but they swap places and the plot of the film is about them trying to a figure out how to swap bodies back uh while b the uh version of the the butcher is who the character of vince vaughn is uh while the butcher in millie's body uh to try to stop him from killing too many more people and while millie in the butcher's body tries to stop from being like arrested or shot or killed uh, himself like so so flash forward here i really enjoyed this movie uh it's Mm. a lot of fun um it's one of those that you're like, hey, what's what's the uh, elevator pitch? A laggy, you know? <laughs> Have you seen Ted Lasso? Oh, okay, it's great. Um, <laughs> elevator pitch your movie for me. Oh, okay, it's Freaky Friday, but a horror movie. Do you think yes. like directors, up and coming directors, or even even just you know uh, veteran directors watch this movie and they're just like, son of a. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> How did we not? How did we? How did we miss the boat on this one? What? Why did this? I mean, why it's was this so, so obvious. Right. It's yeah. so such a perfect sort of send up. Uh, well, not not only is it easily marketable, which is what all of these absolutely. folks want, yeah. is something that you can just sort of easily market. <laughs> <laughs> not only is it easily marketable, but it's also just like it's it's it feels like it's one of those concepts that's staring you in the face and you just don't sure, realize right. it until it's like stabbing you in the face. Well, at least with two, uh, it, it, well, at least with two or three different films that Christopher Landon has kind of got under his belt, it's very easy to say that happy death day was what if groundhog day were a horror film. Sure. And it's yeah. very easy yes. to say that what if freaky Friday were a horror film. In fact, the working title of the piece beforehand was freaky Friday, the 13th mm, because it was supposed like to be a blend of, of that. But then they, um, they, I forget exactly why they slammed it down, maybe because of concerns that it would be viewed as a legitimate Friday, the 13th sequel or something like that. I forget exactly why they shut it down, but they reduced it down just to, um, just to freaky. Well, so, so what's next, Reed? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, let's, huh? Huh? let's, uh, what? uh, what do you brainstorm. Do you know, it's like, okay, what if Groundhog Day was a horror movie? What if Ooh, okay. Freaky Friday was a horror movie? What if Parent Trap was a horror movie? 
oh, it'd be like it'd be like the good son, but like oh no, parent mm. trap. But actually, the kids doubling up are actually not. Uh, twins separated at birth, but rather are like split personalities, and Whoa. they and Whoa. one of them is like the evil incarnation of the psyche, Whoa. and the other one is like the endearing one, and so they're actually or trying to like stop. It's like an actual parent trap. Like yes, they, they get there. Them, and, it's oh, like saw. It's like saw, but parents. There's a like Ray Bradbury trap. story called The Velt that is very much like your version of the parent trap. That would be great. Like the kids you lure me, them Ray. in. You owe me <laughs> <laughs> from the grave. He has no, yeah. no, no, no. It's really good. It's really good. Mm, parent trap. Um, okay, so good. parent trap. What's uh, um, you know, just classic. Like a, a what? What? I don't even know any Shirley Temple movies, but something like that. no. Um, but we but we also recently just had uh, the 25th anniversary of Happy Gilmore. You know. So like, what if it oh, was like, oh. you know, like, uh, yeah, well, oh, okay, that. well, <laughs> wow, I didn't realize I was going to be judged. But the ha- Happy Gilmore is not like an archetypal. Where where are you going? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, well, I cut I mean, you oh. off. You just introduced <laughs> no, one of my know. least favorite movie comedies <laughs> on the planet. Into I've the never even actually seen it, so I don't know. You I know just know funny? it's about golf. Wait, I just referenced my brother a few minutes ago with Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. He and I, um, I this must have been like my, I don't know, sophomore or junior year. I remember him renting. I oh, know maybe that was Billy Madison. I don't think I ever got around to Happy Gilmore because so the story I was about to tell is Billy Madison. Okay, he had rented it. We started watching it at home because you, you, know, you rent it and you watch it at home. And <laughs> probably like thirty minutes in, I was like, "No, <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, like forget it. I'm out. Okay. I'm out. I've yeah. got it. So got yes, it. what you I've got you it. sir got in it. the hat? You you sir in the hat? Okay, I've got it." So the pitch is that you've got uh, basically these these three actors who are down on their luck, and they are suddenly uh, thrust in the middle of a psycho killer sort of rampage, and they thought they were showing up just to perform like some elaborate stage performance for this local town, and then suddenly have to team up and uh, stop the psycho serial killer. Um, so it's basically if Three Amigos was a horror movie. That's my that's my elevator pitch. What okay. if Three Amigos was a was a horror movie? So and you've got three comedic mail- actors, who, like you know, the, the mail plane. Because <laughs> it gets the. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it doing okay. the sissies. Really, they rape the horses and ride off on the women. That's oh, when you, and we trimmed the uh, <laughs> the hedges, <laughs> the many small villages. <laughs> gonna make it. 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 Oh gonna make it. man, I love that movie sure. so much. Good night, Ned. So, um. Yes. What if Three I Amigos recently, was a horror movie? Because of my appreciation for Catherine O'Hara and Schitt's Creek, went down a uh, SCTV rabbit hole on YouTube. <laughs> you sure did. Found, found, a, <laughs> found an old clip of a highly politically incorrect segment from SCTV circa 1979 or 80. I don't know. Some, mm. Well, mm. Uh, probably more like mid 80s, uh, called Half Wits, which is a Jeopardy riff, but it's just dumb people as contestants. Like, I don't know that you could do this today, but Martin right. Short is worth going and finding this clip for so your three amigos made me think of that um so yeah so okay, i mean so there's probably better ideas I, yeah, you know what there's you know what? what come to listeners chime in on the facebook group what is your next big pitch yeah, it's to, gotta be like to, boom yeah. so yeah. you took a little while to get I, I like three amigos so i give you some grace but yeah but clearly it took a while to get there 
Yeah, I get it. I get it. I so, need yeah. just an archetypal tale that's yeah. typically, you know, comedic. When Harry met Sally, but horror. I don't know. What's that? Yeah, See? Prince it's and just... the Pauper, but horror. You know, like yeah, it's uh, yeah. I got it. I get it. I... Sure. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> wait said... a <laughs> next. Yeah, well... <laughs> wow it was written by mark twain okay he's a humorist okay. you're, you're gonna sure. rattle me yeah. about all of this yeah. like just, wow but what's what's the story i don't know the prince of the pauper they they switch the 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 <laughs> all right so okay we need freaky, to get to this movie freaky yes. is freaky friday about horror That's and everyone is. who is in the film industry groans because they're like dead comet <laughs> so easy um so, okay. My so, wife, my wife watched this movie with me. Did she like it? She did. I think she enjoyed it. Um, okay, good. You know, the initial uh, the run kills. of kills, she yeah, was a yeah. bit turned off by, and I was like, <laughs> lightweight. Those were. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of the room. Get out of the room. Call yourself a movie watcher. Oh, um, that I, did, initial... I did encourage her to turn away during Cameron Fry's, uh, you know, yes. bisection. Yes, the the kills in the film, which I loved because I'm demented. Yeah. That's the main thing that sort of because my wife actually watched Happy Death Day and really enjoyed it so much that when Happy Death Day to You came out, we went together on a date night to see it in the theaters. Um, so she actively enjoyed that, and I was watching this with an eye towards is this one she might enjoy? It is as much as I enjoyed it. It is the violence and the level of the sure. kills, which again I enjoy. That sort of pivoted me to where like maybe she won't as much. I mean, it's not like they're pervasive, and they're certainly not like depraved in their. They're very I much mean, like slasher kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, <laughs> there was that feeling after four and a half years of this of her grimacing, and I was like, <laughs> "Come on, <laughs> you think that's bad? Come on, you know a toilet." Toilet seat to the head? That's nothing. You know. <laughs> you're going to push a little girl down a hill, Will. You're know, going to <laughs> slam your toilet seat down on your head. Wow. So. All right. So, anyways, yeah, she watched it. She enjoyed it. Um, awesome. I, yeah, yeah. So, that was fun. Between yeah, that and um, Lovecraft Country, she's just, you know. You're you're acclimating her. I'm telling her. I'm telling you, man. My wife has watched more horror because she's married to me than she Next probably time, ever would have in a lifetime. We're yeah. going to do that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but a horror movie. Let's let's do that. You're just gonna shoot down everything, right? <laughs> it, it's not a Nathan idea, so I can't like it. <laughs> I didn't come up with it, so you can wow. do better. Do better, Riri. Nathan reads friendship, but horror. <laughs> Lived <laughs> it. All right. So yeah, okay. she watched it. It was fun. This is a fun movie. It's um, wonderful. Do you have any other specific trivial bits? Um, well, just just that in addition to being Freaky Friday but a horror movie, it is actually there are tons of little winks and nods to classic slashers. In fact, many of them that the trivial bits indicated were there. I didn't even catch all of them. I did catch that the butcher's mask is very reminiscent reminiscent of Jason's hockey mask. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that when he stabs the girl on the wall, he tilts his head the way Michael Myers did. I did catch that one. Um, Booker's last name is Strode. You can see it on his, on his Jersey, um, which, as in like Laurie Strode. Um, right. I got but it. The, good. Keep up. Um, and then uh, I read that the director cited that there was a bevy of little influences for this, including the Scream films, Urban Legend, The Blob, Fright Night, Jennifer's Body, Creep Show, Child's Play, The Faculty, Carrie, and believe it or not, Galaxy Quest, which is not a horror film. But um, anyway. Like so, your bob. 
Never no, surrender. So. Galaxy Quest, but a horror film. So, um, <laughs> basically, the uh, that's the last of the trivial bits that I had. It's just okay. that it it is uh, you know tons and tons of winks and nods throughout the piece to little horror films here and there. <laughs> winks, nods, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Um, let's see. So you gave trivial bits. We gave a loose summary. Um, we had our fun game. What are some uh any specific just. Oh man! Likes, dislikes. You want to um, throw? Out? Okay, so so I tried to be really precise with this because man, there's a lot of like. So the the fun of body swap movies is in the disconnect between the internal and the external behaviors that the different people display. That's part of the gimmick, um, but it's incredibly on point here, particularly when Vince Vaughn becomes Millie. It is absolutely hysterical, and I was appreciating that a lot of times when Vince Vaughn does comedy. Vince Vaughn does comedy that's very sort of alpha male comedy, like, right. you know, putting people... He's He, he does a little... Uh, uh, maybe these are bad comparisons, but it's a little bit in the vein of, like, the Alec Baldwin. He's over everything that everybody's doing and is just wittily sort of casting them down with all of his comments. But what I loved about seeing him in this role is Catherine Newton's character of Millie... As a character, she's very optimistic. I called her plucky earlier. You know, she's very sort of upbeat with everything. So it was super fun to see Vince Vaughn playing this outrageously sort of like very upbeat and very positive character while also being very sort of, there's a sort of an exuberance there that I think is, um, is, is really very fun. And I think Vince Vaughn is totally on point. You could tell Catherine Newton was having just a wonderful time playing a psychotic, sort of even, you know, like everything that she sees, she looks on with disdain and with a sort of appetite to I, I destroy. I think one of the funniest bits to me is when she wakes up as him and the retainer in her mouth. I mean, just oh, a really... Just spits it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really <laughs> right, right, right. funny bit of physical comedy. But yes, to your point, speaking of physical comedy, I mean, when the the culminating moment of of Vince Vaughn confronting the two friends resulting in him doing the cheer dance. I mean, just that whole, um, that segment, brilliant. <laughs> I need a friend right now. And you guys are smashing the <laughs> <shit> out of me, <laughs> um, oh my God. Well, but it's such a fine, I, I, I would wonder the conversations that were had between he and Landon or even he and Landon and the actress who plays Millie to just, you could do that poorly. You could, you could really get. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You could overdo it or mm -hmm. it could be somehow just like effeminate when mm -hmm. that's not really what he lands on. It's, it's right. Yeah. It's like a lighter spirit embodying the physical person, which, which right. is right. what the movie is. Um, but no, he's, he's fantastic. Random question. Is the actor who plays Ryler like two feet tall or is that just me? <laughs> I mean, that's a tiny, <laughs> he's, tiny he's human. Pretty small. Yeah, he's pretty that's a short. tiny human. As a pretty short person myself, I, I take a little bit of offense, but that's you okay. Shouldn't. You shouldn't. <laughs> I didn't say, is Reed Lackey two feet tall? I <laughs> no, stood sure. next to you. You're like it's, two and a half. Wow. Um, appreciate that. Yes. No, he's a, he's, he's a small individual. She. Short. She. Ryler? Yes. Ryler is the girl. The 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 mean girl. I completely heard that and thought. Yeah, you, you were just had a, Josh. a Freudian yes. moment. No, I did have a Freudian like, moment. I thought you were talking about no, Josh for some reason. I'm talking I don't about know why I put that in it. But the one who popsicle. gets the yeah popsicle, who gets cryogenically frozen. They, uh, do they? Come on. Okay, listen. It's been <laughs> uh, a lot of years since I was in high school. I, I couldn't do the math real quick. I was trying. Okay. Um, 
And on top of that, when I was in high school, I didn't play sports. Um, funny stories attached to that, but saved for another day. So all that said, do high schools have those no. machines? No, huh? I mean, it's been I a mean, long time since I've been to high school. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. I mean, the, the cryo saying, freeze. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think there's a world where some preppy prep, prep school out there might have one of these things but but seeing it in the movie it was like really that's a thing i mean i know i have no idea it made what they for a creative for. kill but is sure that, is that a thing i mean yeah. i know i know there's a man <laughs> occupy a man's spirit occupying this teen girl's body but is that a thing <laughs> <laughs> i can roll with everything but that, right right that's right, a bridge too a bridge far too far okay. Uh, uh, you know, sa- satanic ritualistic knife, you know, can make people yeah. swap bodies. That's yeah, I- I've seen that before, <laughs> but, um, but this I have not seen. All right, I'm gonna it's give like you the one grenades more. in the backpack with the contact lenses. It's like that's what you, you know, like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, come on, <laughs> like, they just put the contact lenses yeah. in. You don't yeah, do yeah. that, you yeah, don't that's, just shove that's something not how into your those eye. work. That is not how those work. They would be like blinking, <laughs> <laughs> winking, nod. So, um. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give you another like and then a dislike okay. and then I can move on from there. Um, I love the bit love. of, uh, well, I love the whole, uh, scene at the kind of, um, gosh, what is the type of dressing room? The mom works at. Yeah. 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 yeah the department the dressing store. room yep. scene that leads into the parking lot escape with him and the mask on. And then he just literally falls over out of frame and then he runs <laughs> into the couple. There's that's some really good. Oh, it's wonderful. Really yeah. good bit of physical comedy there. Um, yeah, absolutely. I do love that scene too as well because it's a nice little – and uh, in, in the films of Christopher Landon's that I've seen, he's really good at sort of injecting a little bit of sincere sentiment into this otherwise very outrageous kind of story. Um, and, and I think he does so pretty deftly. Um, I don't think I'm going to address any scares, so I do have a couple more notes here. Uh, okay. But one – my wife, other than the fact that she called, she, she protested that Jim was the wolf in the Wolf of Snow Hollow. <laughs> um, she is generally pretty good at predicting things in a way okay. that is annoying as media consuming <laughs> spouse. Um, you know, so she called the five minutes ahead thing before they fully clarified. She it. did? Yeah. I wasn't even on that wavelength. Like yeah. when it happened, what I thought they might be going for is some version of like, oh, well, now they'll find some other way to swap bodies that the really time did run out. Right. No. And when, they'll find some other way. When it doesn't happen, she settle out five minutes ahead. And That's awesome. like those directors watching this movie, I said, son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> you lean over to her. You shut up. Okay. <laughs> I just enjoy I just enjoy the movie. Um, I don't know where this character's coming from. Um, and then I do love that moment though. That's such when a the moment. credit song start. She start. She started dancing a little bit. Boogieing said, "Are you writing that down?" So I did write it down. Oh, nice! As a note <laughs> for the movie, <laughs> I just wanted. I'm just giving some props to my wife for you know. Um, well, good for her because it's like movie. yeah, and and it's funny too because uh, I don't I don't know if you recall this, but in Happy Death Day. There is a moment where someone's uh, wristwatch alarm goes off and it kind of saves the day for her. That's when Tree is uh, trying to run away from the killer and then the wristwatch goes off and then the, that's the moment 
to signal that the power was about to go out. The power goes out. She moves behind the killer and, and takes the killer out. So I just thought it was interesting. That's the first place my mind went when I saw that whole like. So I wasn't even on the wavelength of pro tip five minutes ahead because I was I was remembering like, oh, yeah, he'd. He's done this at least twice now. It's beginning to be a little bit of a director trademark thing. Like, oh, a wristwatch is going to hmm. somehow signal a like save the day moment. Chekhov's gun. It's Landon's yeah. wristwatch. Yeah. Landon's wristwatch is going to go off. If and that's someone gonna... references time. Yeah. Yeah. Chekhov's gun, but it's a horror movie. So, um, okay. <laughs> the cherry orchard, but horror. <laughs> it's like, yes. Every Russian is like, yes, that is. That is. <laughs> such, is such is life. <laughs> Cherry Orchard is horror. Why did you think it was what? otherwise? It, oh, man. Redundant much. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've, got a, I've um, got a question, but I want you to, to, to say whatever likes, dislikes, or scares you. Okay, well, you, well you've, you've taken nearly all of them. So, oh, so the one that's thing, what I do. But yeah, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I will say this. If I'm going to like pick some nits, okay. um, the, the family dynamic between Millie's mom and her sister and Millie, it, it all just sort of strikes me as a bit disjointed. They don't all feel like they belong in the same family because you've got like Millie's sort of, you know, just neat, like nerd, cute adorability. And then you also have her sister who is a very sort of type A personality, very, you know, uh, sort of stern authoritative figure and then you've got the mom who because of the loss of their dad uh, like is completely spiraling into like alcoholism so if i were to pick a nit and it is minor because i really enjoyed this movie if i were to pick a nit i don't think the film does a great job of making me believe that they are a cohesive family unit it didn't hurt my ability to engage on the moment in the dressing room that we already talked about where they're sharing you know a moment um, some of that might be the performances, you know, Vince Vaughn really delivers in that moment and the, the actor playing, um, uh, Millie's mom, uh, I want to look that up real quick. Uh, that is, uh, Jennifer Pierce Mathis, I think. No, that's not, that's not Millie's mom. That is wrong movie. Wrong. <laughs> I was looking movie. at three amigos. No, uh, I believe it is Katie Finneran. I'm looking that up just to make sure, but because um, I just want yes, Katie Finneran. Um, they really deliver on the emotionality of that scene, but um, in general, the dynamic didn't feel very believable to me. Again, if I'm going to pick a nit, but well, you're you're the 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 nit you just picked invites the picking of a nit that I would identify oh, as one. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I I would recommend this film. It's a lot of fun. I would say if you're ever just in the mood for entertainment that has flavors of what we talk about on the show, this is an yeah. easy recommend. I watched but, it twice. Yeah, <laughs> like one night, then the next one. Okay. Yeah. Well, then this you may be able to help me with with this. I other than just a sort of thematic note of the the women of the film coming together i didn't enjoy i didn't i felt like him returning to her house was very unmotivated to me i i did not oh, i see yeah it didn't cohere for me enough to make sense that that would happen does that make sense like it does I, and to me the only narrative function that it's so here's what i will agree with you is it feels a bit obligatory what it does serve narratively is it allows these three characters to, and most especially Millie, 
to exert agency in her own destiny sure. to where she ultimately is the one. Because otherwise, if he had just been left and died in the ambulance, she wouldn't have actually have been the one. Although there is an argument to, that could be made that she exerts that agency and claims control by stabbing him. Right. And that that is the moment that, that you know, she kind of takes it back. So I'm not going to push back very hard uh, really at all of that being sort of what it felt like an obligatory moment. Um, that having been said, it didn't, you know, it didn't bother me. You know, I, I, when I was watching it, I did have a moment of saying like, are we seeing this because some of them are not going to make it? And that's going to be how the film kind of lands on something. But when they ultimately get the better of him, I was like, oh, okay. So that was just the day. Well, it's funny. And, and this is how not necessary the scene felt to me when he shows back up all i could think maybe cynically was oh this is the sequel setup whatever is about to happen interesting is okay them feeding sure. a, the franchise potential here when then Got so it. then okay. when she kills him i was like oh well maybe not okay i don't know yeah so gotcha. so yeah, yeah i i think there's an easy world where um and by no means does that scene detract or weigh down or or no. negatively impact my appreciation for the fun of the film. But I, I think agree. you could have easily left it out, left it out, and just had the fun epilogue or some fun epilogue. And like, yeah. like you said, I think I think the character and and that's the point. I think I intuited was her character arc was complete in. Mm-hmm remedying the situation you know yeah um and then sharing the moment with with booker on the back of the ambulance you know like every every aspect of the film has resolved emotionally at that point so uh so that is what i would you know i would agree with that i think there was enough goodwill that the film had earned from me at that Mm -hmm. point that i don't think anything shy of just undermining those moments would have hurt the overall experience for me sure um but i definitely don't you know, I don't disagree that that film, that that moment, that whole scene back at the house, other than creating a little bit more suspense and giving them a moment to just sort of beat the crap out of the butcher for themselves on their own, right. uh, doesn't really provide much uh, in the way of substance or, or anything. Well, and, um, uh, we can leave this after, you know, we, we don't have to do it yeah, here, I suppose. Yeah. But like your note about the chemistry or not of the three women in that family, I think the intention of that scene is putting is, is one unifying them and two putting to bed the, the sort of ghost of their pain of loss of the father. But I guess it was just, sure. That's a weird way to do that. And, and yeah. um, Anyway. Yeah, no, I can understand. Um, but no, like that's a, you know, that, that's kind of what I had written down. I will say like, like just in general, like just emphasizing, like I just love Vince Vaughn's performance in this. And I think in general, uh, this just has a really, really great energy to it that, um, I think makes it pretty accessible again, with the exception of the kills, which are pretty gory. But I think just in general, I just loved the accessibility of the piece. Um, I thought it was really, really funny. I love the moment we didn't mention it specifically, but I love the moment where he's trying to convince uh, Booker that he's really Millie. Right. Or, well, you know, I, it's it's weird to try to have to say this, you know, like, oh, she in Butcher's body is trying right, to convince, right. you know, but but he's, <laughs> he's like, no, 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 that's not. Have you ever seen me dress that way? Like, I like a lot of what she's 
got going on there. Do you like that? I like right. that. Do you like <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's just really, that whole moment is just so endearing in, in a lot of ways. And I will say, I didn't necessarily plan to mention this moment, but I will say it's interesting to me the moment when they're sitting in the backseat of the car mm-hmm. and in a way that at first I thought was a little strange, but then I found really endearing how Booker, knowing that it's Millie, is like asks to kiss, but right. she even calls it out. She's like, you know, you're gonna be kissing a psycho killer with a bunch of yellow teeth, you know? And I just liked that he was like, no, I, I only see you. Like, I really, there's something about that pretty, that I really pretty, enjoyed. Pretty progressive scene, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. and which and it, yeah, go ahead. If I can, begs a, a a simple question that sure may lead into deeper waters, but but it really is a simple question, Reed. That and the question is, Reed, are we are we spirit and flesh, or are we just spirit? <laughs> you know, that's easy. We can we can yeah we can solve for that in the next yeah, ten minutes. Of course, of course. Easy. It's funny because I, you know, what's what's interesting about you saying that I, I, I believe, and I'm probably going to quote him poorly. I believe Uh-oh. this was no, I believe this was C.S. Lewis who said, "You that we are spiritual beings who have a body, not physical beings who have a spirit." Um, but see, what's it, funny it just, about you saying that? I'm, I'm, yeah, I was a jerk and just totally cut you off. I'm sorry. You you were in mid thought. No, 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 no. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I, I was just more just sort of referencing the quote and trying to unpack that he was reprioritizing that like we are, whether we are spirit or body, it's that we're spirit and body, but he would position spirit primary. But see, what's funny about that is, is, and this is the the joke of me asking that question was to set it up as something simple when it's not simple whatsoever. And far sure. be it for me to, to critique Clive Staples, but I don't know <laughs> that I'm there really anymore. Interesting. Um, that there might have been, and and hear me, I, um, your quoting of him out of context, you know, I, I actually am jokily sort of prodding that. But when I ask the question, are we spirit and flesh or just spirit? I, I think uh, the answer to the first question, are we spirit and flesh is yes. Like that, that, mm. that, matter matters um yes if i can say yes. it that way and mm-hmm. and so it is interesting that this movie has that scene that evokes the notion of only essence mm-hmm. mattering mm-hmm. and don't ask me you know we there's a way you can interrogate this and go all these different routes i don't know that we're equipped for that mountain of a conversation but I think for me personally, in my sort of theological journey, I think to prioritize spirit is not a healthy theological frame. It's not a theological, I'll take out the word healthy. It's not a theological frame that I really care to occupy much anymore. That Um, is, so that is, that is fascinating. And I will say this, let's, I'm going to request yeah. Unless we have more trivialities that we would like to unpack, that w- that we sit there for a minute, because please let's sit. Because I w- I would like to I would like to interrogate this a bit if we can, because I feel like one of the things that I think is really vital and important is, and we talked a 
uh, I think like three, four weeks ago was the subject where I talked, sort of brought up the idea of how vital and important the concept and practice of incarnation mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. that, that the, you know, the, the embodiment of, of the, uh, the word made flesh is a really vital tenet to not dismiss. And in fact, it is a theological and philosophical idea that I outward that, that I um, wholly oppose of Gnosticism. Sure. Which says that spirit is good, flesh is bad. That sort of, you know, linear dichotomy of all things spirit are good, all right. things flesh are bad. I openly reject that concept. Um, but that having been said, I think I think there's a lot of ways that it is helpful for me to recognize that I am not the sum of my physical limitations. That while my physical limitations are not something to be dismissed or even to be rejected, that I am more than that. And I think that for me, I would approach the spirit and body conversation. Um, I, I think I would uh, a bit sort of sort of lean in on the, the notion of there are intangibles which I think, from my perspective, more properly define identity than tangibles, therefore leading me to spirit being primary, body being secondary. Though both matter, I'm not saying yeah, one no, doesn't matter, but I think that the intangibles of who we are more appropriately define identity than the tangibles of who we are. That is my approach to this this sort of spiritual, theological, philosophical question. Yeah, and I think that there's very little, um, and, and despite how sort of strongly it may have sounded, I was positioning that a moment ago, there's very little I would push back, per se, against some of what you're describing. I think... I think the hair I would split, uh, not towards you, but towards this general conversation, yeah, is, of course, is to to even position them as differing things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is a bit of a false start. Is is maybe a way to frame it? In other words, yes, uh, there is a spirit, there is an essence, there is a persona to you that is. See, it's hard to even frame it in a way that that doesn't separate. And all I'm trying to articulate is, I think for me, and and at least my readings and comprehensions of the last years, the notion of how you started a minute ago, the bodiliness, Mm -hmm. embodiedness, incarnation, incarnationality, those as married concepts are indispensable from a faithful point of view is, is, is where I've kind of come, which isn't even saying it's almost what I'm trying to say. I think is even to use like primary and secondary feels a little bit like forgive this idea, but like an unnecessary prioritization. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and there's a world where I can, can even, 
there there is a world where I can happily sit in the seat of why do you need to rank them? Like I like that there is a world where I could definitely embrace that. Like why do you even need to rank them? I think that there's a very real conversation to be had about the ways in which the way someone views their physical being and the way that can distort their concept of their identity and personhood yeah. is is worth interrogating. Oh, there are gobs um, of spokes on the wheel of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think that, you know, and that's not only just, you know, the concept of, of beauty or the concept of value, the way that, the way that certain impressive physical specimens can be valued, whereas unimpressive physical specimens might not receive the same degree of value. That's a, you know, that, that's something that I think is part of what I really want to champion in what I heard you saying is, is this notion of they are intrinsically in a, in a, a sort of a marriage where like, no, it's like, I I can't separate out that I inhabit this this physical space i am i am physically here what happens in my body and what i do with my body matters and what takes place at the same token you know if as you know so many people suffer with through time you know if 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 mental illness becomes a thing which begins to attack your mind or if degenerative muscular diseases begin to attack your body you know um, that does not, while certainly those things cannot be ignored, they don't suddenly define you sure. and they don't suddenly, sure. you know, they don't certainly yeah. encapsulate who you are. And, and I think maybe that is one thing that's worth pointing out is that it is worth saying, whether we're saying it to C.S. Lewis or saying it to each other, it is worth saying, why do we need to know the answer to that question? And what are you aiming yeah. for when you ask right whether we are spirit beings or physical beings when you're when you're asking that question what because there is the there is the opposing side of the of the of the coin those who do not believe in afterlife do not believe in heaven do not believe necessarily in anything but materiality um there's there there's a multitude of different sort of implications that are made by that concept as sure, well. Sure. Um so but but I do think there's some value in just saying if you need to rank them and if you need to compartmentalize them, what are what are you trying to solve? Right. What are you trying to yeah. solve by trying to say spirit is first and body is second, or even body is first and spirit is second. Like, sure. Like, you know, in in what way do you need to when in point of fact a when it says the word became flesh and that concept birthed into our own understandings of ourselves and the way in which we become the hands and feet of Christ and the way we embody the kingdom itself, uh, this entire subject of incarnation. Right. I think it is worth saying like you're trying, (laughs) man, this is funny. What is coming to mind because I used the word marriage is the oft quoted line in many traditional sermons where it says what God has put together, let no man put asunder. And maybe that is true of body and spirit. Sure. What God, what God has put together, let no one try to, to sever in their, in their oneness of being that you are, that you are body and spirit and you are spirit and body and that these two things relate to one another in a a cohesive whole, or at least they are supposed to in ways that are unique and distinct and, and, 
produce value in the world around you. Well, I think, yeah. And I think all I uh, would have, as, as I look back at my own sort of journey and uh, these moments, however fleeting they might've been in my theological journey of, of maybe indulging that notion of um, a negative connotation attached to materiality, I think. Right. Right. I'm going to tell this quick story, but it's meant to illustrate the broader idea here. So I remember years ago. So, um, when I was in high school, uh, I was involved in a parachurch ministry, um, that my wife and I actually ended up working for after college. But one of the elements of their thing, like if you were involved in this organization in in high school, as a student, you had to commit to being, uh, alcohol and, and, like drug free, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. Uh, right. But right, it was, right, right. you know, rooted in a parachurch sort of framework, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so because of that, and because of some even just family history abuse pro- issues, I had a very, uh, I was predisposed to negative views of of alcohol um, mm-hmm. consumption, just in a general sense. Right. Right. And I had this vivid memory and i can't even tell you exactly the era or exactly i my guess and this is a guess so my uh the hometown i grew up in is about two hours from where my brother uh spent uh his post-college days in youth pastorship and so occasionally i would travel to go see him this is the only thing i can think of for the context of this little trip and a thing to this day, I could probably still stand to practice and for some reason had grand intentionality in doing so on this little two hour trip. I just endeavored to not listen to anything like music. There weren't podcasts yeah. know, mm-hmm. 18 years ago, whenever this was. Um, I just wanted to have my thoughts and, and you know, yeah, I just, uh, on yeah, a certain level, be. I suppose my prayers. And I remember this is, after our time working for this organization, I remember just thinking about alcohol consumption. Again, I can't even tell you why these things were in my brain at the time. Maybe it was because we'd come out of it vocationally. And the story of Jesus turning water into wine just kind of had this, which, you know, at that point in time, I would have probably been, you know, 20, 22, something like this. So, you know, I, I wasn't like a child. And, I just, it, it was almost this Paul scales from the eyes moment. I'm just like, Oh, Jesus turned water into wine. I, okay. <laughs> it was so matter of yeah. fact, mm-hmm. 180 degrees, uh, doesn't mean. And, and in fact, it still was years before I even had even tried alcohol, uh, from that moment. Right, but right. the, the, the negative connotation I had attached to it. Now, of course you don't abuse stuff that, you're missing the point of the story if that's the takeaway. But the point of the story was the negative connotations I had attached to a thing that was just a thing that mm-hmm. scripturally speaking, uh, Jesus had actively engaged in and indulged and been around. It was like, Oh, right, right. Yes. Okay. I'm, a- <laughs> I'm okay with this now. And just like that. No, <laughs> right, really? right, right, right. It really yeah, was. No, I get it. Yeah. And so sure. what I'm, I'm telling that story by also sort of, I can't point to explicit, you know, whether it was personalities in the, in the church or, or teachings or teachers that I had indulged who may have assigned negative connotation to body 
in a way of elevating spirit, there was just, it wasn't as decisive a moment, but it was a season that just sort of re-pivoted me to just be like, no, if, if, if God came in flesh, flesh is not inherently wicked, wrong, bad, negative whatsoever. Absolutely. And, right. and that Absolutely. doesn't mean like all things matter, flesh doesn't deteriorate, but d- 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 deterioration in and of itself is not here stumbling into profundity. Deterioration itself is not anti-God. I mean, absolutely. You no, know, absolutely. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Roar talks often about, you know, life is learning how to die, and and mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, I shared with you about these are these are going to seem like random paths to to find myself on in this conversation, but that experience I just had of saying that aloud of deterioration itself is not ungodly. Um, reading that book I referenced on Cobra Kai, um, all the young men, uh, mm-hmm. and this woman, Ruth Coker Burks, who effectively was a, a mother and a Christ to all these dying gay men dying of right, AIDS in the eighties right. and gave last rites and compassion and burial and friendship and love to all these people. And this I've told you this story, but I'm sharing it here in this context. She she has this little moment in the book where she references becoming a friend to death. Mm. And I thought, dead gum, that's it. How mm. you know, and how when when we talk about death, where is thy sting? To me, there was this weird pivot of not so much we're triumphant over this thing as much as it is now just a thing in the same way that deterioration is not ungodly in her terms, being a friend to death is just part of wholeness and maturity and wisdom and compassion. And, and I know that's a really random, you know, destination spot for the movie freaky, but in this dialogue of flesh and spirit and, and and assigning value via words like right, wrong, good, bad, wicked, righteous, those are all just words relative to the wholeness that is us gifted to us by God. I don't know. That's right. Maybe a really well, wild remember, place to get to here. <laughs> well, but and I also remember I had shared uh some weeks ago about my friend who's battling, you know, severe illness and and there was something that happened several years ago and I, and and I find it happen a lot when people suffer tremendous sickness and I can feel in my culture and in my circles which are by and large of a charismatic slash Pentecostal persuasion there's a lot of fervor around Claiming healing for the body. Sure. And what I sense in a lot of places is profound fear and tremendous fear of if this doesn't work. Right. Or if these things don't result in something positive. And one of the convictions that I've come to at 40 years old now that I will talk a big game right here on this pod as a reasonably healthy individual that gets harder 
once you are actually staring down your own mortality or once you are actually staring down the fragile mortality of the people that you love. Mm -hmm. I remember stating to someone several years ago when there was a lot of people praying for the recovery of a child and the, and the child was a baby. They weren't even a year old yet. And it was God, it was devastating. It was devastating to watch this happen that this poor child had become sick and got worse and the child did not survive. And it was very, very painful to talk in the circles with the parents and also with other people. Just just the, the language that gets thrown around, mm-hmm. the concepts that mm-hmm. get thrown around, the desperate clinging to try to maintain sanity and stability in the midst of such a an absolute antithesis of how we think things are supposed to go. Right. Babies are, babies are not supposed to suffer face like down this. death. Right. Yeah. And they're not supposed to suffer and they're not supposed to leave. And I remember specifically at that moment, what struck me, I did not say it. Maybe I should have, maybe it was right of me to just keep my mouth shut to the people whom I was with. But I remember thinking very profoundly that the point was not, to avoid suffering and death, that much the point was not to fear suffering and death. Sure. And again, that's lofty. I'm it sitting is. here as yeah. a reasonably healthy individual. Right. Put you know, put me against the you know, put me in the lion's mouth and see how big I talk then. You know, I I, I can admit that and I can own that. Um but I but I remember feeling very profoundly in that moment that I was like, no, and as I believe, if Christ is all in all, then nothing is to be feared. Fear not. Amen. And and if he is truly our our Lord of Lords, then there is nothing that can and, and when we talk about the scriptures say death where is your you know, grave where is your victory and death where is your sting. Like it as much I think can mean you you Okay, I'll say it this way, because this is a more profound illustration of what I mean. There's a moment in the scriptures, if I were to make, as Lackey the Listicle loves to do, a top ten list. Hi. This, <laughs> hi. Hi, everybody. This would make, this would very likely make my top ten list. Jesus, after being captured by the Pharisees, he was beaten, he was sent before Herod, he was he was put upon he was he was smacked around and then he was put before pilate and pilate had him flogged no need to get into all of the 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 desperate violence that that flogging would have obtained they put a crown of thorns on his head he is a shell of a human being his body is decimated by this point he is every bit of suffering shy of actually being put on the cross yet and pilate looks at him and insists that he speak. And when he insists that he speak, he says, do you not realize that I have the power to release you or to have you crucified? And the words Jesus says back to him, I can't even put a bumper sticker on the profundity that they speak to. This absolutely decimated body, the voice speaks out and says, you have no power over me Hmm. if it had not been delivered, given to you from above. And that moment for ways that I cannot encapsulate in this conversation has echoed and reverberated around in my spirit for years, years in in ways that, again, I cannot wrap down. 
but I keep thinking about this moment and the fact that the moment did not come when he was fresh out of the Garden of Gethsemane, standing full of vigor and spirit and, you know, of whatever else. Right. He had been beaten to a bloody pulp. And that is the moment that he stared in the face of physical authority and said, you don't hold any power yeah. over me. Yeah. And I think there is something of the degree in this in this conversation about getting acquainted with death and we're talking we're talking about big and lofty subjects here about you know welcome for a to movie God, that but really <laughs> for, for freaky yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> but spirit and body and their their marriage there and the word becoming flesh and recognizing that these bodies this body that I am in that has lived these 40 years and will live however many years from now that it will continue to age it will continue to decay it will continue to uh, to change in ways that I can't control the same is true of my spirit much as I would like to deny it the same is true that my spirit will continue to change and that it will continue to change in ways that I can't quite chart until I look one day and realize sure. I'm not the man I was um, and 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 that is that is happening in in constant motion and I think part of it is in recognizing yeah these these things which we so desperately want to control the the profound freedom to know that our bodies may be decimated and yet we can stare at it and say you don't hold you don't have any power over me at all or to recognize that our spirits may be utterly broken but that there are things that we could buck against and say, no, this, you know, you are not holding all of the cards here. One of the things I love about, and I'll tie this back into Freaky in a somewhat trivial moment, I love that the film addresses the different strengths and abilities yeah. that they would have. I noticed that, yeah. It's, it's, it's a little subtle, even though it's direct, but like, he shoves her down and is like, whoa, I'm strong. Yeah. And then when Millie, as when Millie's body is inhabiting the butcher and he can't break down the door as his, because Vince Vaughn is a tall guy. Right. He's, a, he's an imposing figure. So the fact that in butcher in Millie's body can't just break down the door like he would have been able to before, you know, I, I just love that the film addresses, hey, no, this is Millie right, in butcher's right, body. Right, right. And this is, butcher in Millie's body and the combination of who they are and where they are and the 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 flesh in which they inhabit changes the dynamic of what's going on and i think that's also key for us to recognize as we're striving continually to appreciate the what what are you joking I'm about that's just wild I'm, i was you know like our uh i'm feeling like a jerk for chuckling no no uh, no it's it's okay in, in the midst of your run there but um you know our 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 listeners who hear us for the last 30 minutes <laughs> and if if christopher landon ever listens to this episode <laughs> and, and he and with with where we went based on the one cop car scene and he's just like son of a <laughs> it's just one scene it's like guys okay listen but i do think it's like it's a really but you know like and i'll bring it back i'll bring it back to that it's like i don't know y'all like i'm i'm talking myself more and more into just how wonderful and powerful that scene is he's like i i you it's know freaky. because because he's well because he's very much like booker is very much like i just see you millie right and right. then even millie 
is acknowledging of like, maybe we should do this when my hand doesn't cover your face. Right, you know, right. like there's a relationship there, not only between the pair of them, but also between themselves and their physical bodies. Right. And what I would hate for a takeaway to be, I don't think, you know, I'm just trying to cover all the bases as many as I can. What I would hate for a takeaway to be is for anybody to think that, you know, that, that, that bodily construction that, how they are in their physical bodies somehow diminishes or or like devalues. Um, you know, Henry Nowen talked a lot about the work that he had done with people who were you know completely helpless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and completely that they, they they were you know quadriplegic. In many cases, they were just basically in a vegetative state, but in physical bodies that needed to be bathed and needed to be fed and and everything that that had to happen there. Um, and and I do think there's there's a way in which we have to recognize that our value extends beyond either of just exclusively the spirit or just exclusively the body. That our value right, right. is is a is an encapsulation of something much more profound than that. And we try so hard in our ways that we want to make you know accomplishment uh, our sense of value, beauty, our sense of value, um, potential, our sense of value. That's what we try to do is, we, you know, I have the potential here. I have the accomplishment here, uh, you know, all of these kinds of things. And I think the much more I will now use the word you you pushed back on and, and excised a moment ago, the healthier theology, the healthier philosophy, the healthy spirituality is in recognizing, no, I am body. I am spirit. Right. They are I am one. Right. I am I am a person and I am fearfully and wonderfully made, as Amen. the scriptures say. Yeah. There is there is so much intention behind who I am. There is so I am man, I'm threatening in to all get, its yes, in all of itself. It, right. We we use the phrase, you know, jokingly, but warts and all. Yes, right. everything about it. Do not Strive for health by all means. If your if your body is in an unhealthy framework, then strive for health by all means. But don't strive for health because you have to achieve some yes. sense of right. of out of now rejection can, of body. Absolutely, right, 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 yeah, right. absolutely, and objectification because because that's really just a version of making a, a body a commodity, or you know, you're just you're just waxing the vehicle that you think you inhabit. Oh, okay. in the- <laughs> sorry. No, whoa! That, you got my well, bodies, and you're just like you're just waxing. I'm like, ah, just, not me. I don't read really like not. No, I know, no, no. I know you don't wax. But, but I think too, like I think I think there's a real valuable thing for us to embrace in just recognizing, like, no, like, like I am, I am being, I am, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and by being that, I, I am, I matter. I mean something, and. Right. We cannot, we cannot even entertain the notion that there are amongst physical personae, that there are rankings or anything. There, don't get me wrong. In Hollywood and in, in athleticism and everything, there are some impressive specimens, absolutely impressive specimens in all degrees. Looking at you, we Dan would, Stevens. <laughs> that's, 
That's a handsome man. That's a handsome man right there. But I think we would do ourselves a profound, and that's why. And I'm I'm really trying to scratch at something that I'm out that I'm immediately stepping out of my depth to scratch into. That's why the comparison game and the disorders that come with trying to mold our bodies into certain ways to where it becomes like an unhealthy kind of obsession, and the ways in which we try to achieve something that is not who we are and that is not what we are are made of and again i'm not saying don't strive towards health god please yes strive towards health but do so because you are aware of this holistic marriage of 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 self and spirit and body and mind and heart not for reward or to avoid punishment amen do things because they are true not because that that is it (laughs) do things because they are true not for reward or because they deserve punishment. That is where we want to try to aim. And that is what th- that is what we want to try to see of ourselves. And once we see it of ourselves, I believe it will be significantly easier to see it of other people. Mm-hmm. Because then we will be able to look and see the inherent, if you want to call it this, the divine spark, the 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 intentionality behind our neighbors and our brothers and sisters and friends. And the people that we would otherwise might um, dismiss or at worst, at our worst selves, cast down as inferior in any degree by spirit or body and see them more in the way. Uh, I'll say this and then I'll shut up. I, I have been challenged many times by my friend uh, Joe Jakes, who's a, a wonderful old English gentleman. And um, he, he and I went to church together. Uh, for a number of years, and we're still Facebook friends. He is constantly in his rep- posts on social media cognizant of this, where he's like, hey, the moment I start to diminish anybody for anything, I stop seeing them the way God sees them, and that is not my calling. Hmm. Like, I am called to see them the way the Lord sees them, that he is for them, that he loves them, that he crafted them, that there is intention behind their presence and their space in the world. It is why we should so profoundly sort of take seriously this this notion of our, our physical presences and our physical beings, but also of the spiritual realities that are married to those physical presences and physical beings. And I think for myself... Odd as it seems, and I texted you when we decided to do this film, I was like, this film, in some ways, I can guarantee you it does not intend, invites, for for thinkers like you and I, invites this real sort of examination of the way who you are and the physical body in which you inhabit, um, the ways you separate one from the other and the entire thing changes. So really, you, you cannot. You you have to uh, you have to be whole in your personhood. And uh, I mean, we may never body swap with folks, but we're all a little freaky. Why don't you bring us to the fog meter? I think so. I think so. All right. So the fog meter (laughs) is our very specific metric of fear Mm. and God, the means by which we measure these films on their scares and their substance. Did you ever think in four years that Missy Elliott would play such a role? 
Oh, in an episode it was inevitable. Yeah. It was inevitable. Yeah. yeah. It was inevitable. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so um it's, I don't know the lyrics or I would have done that better. But yeah. anyway, so um anyway, it's sure. Fear and God for Freaky directed by written and directed by Christopher Landon. Fear, listen. I don't think we referenced any sort of scares other than like the gore factor. It's not a nightmarish kind of film. Um I I hate giving any film that I enjoyed as much as I did this one any sort of low score, but if I'm being realistic, on the fear factor, it's a four. Um, that's pretty freaky, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, to the uninitiated, uh, the opening scene is going to be a little arresting, but sure. And sure. I, I mean, you know, when they were crafting the kill in of the teacher, they were like, "Yeah, let's go for it." <laughs> he does. He deserved it. Too, oh, that's man. true. I that's was true. like, you know, like. Yeah, for sure, like, for no, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think a four is fair. Okay, what would you say for the God Meter? I think in some ways it knows it's savvy about what it's doing, but but I don't know that it's after a ton more than just being competent and confident in what it's doing. So I think I'm gonna go for a six. I will join you in your six because okay. I feel like the way you summarized it is is quite appropriate. That it's like it's it's savvy. And it's intentional. It knows what it's doing. That doesn't mean that what it's aiming for is terribly profound. I think when you think like we do, there's opportunities, sort of inroads to to lead you to other sort of. I mean, I, I'm astonished by where we went. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that means, so yes, I'll join you in your six, and that means that we give Freaky, directed by Christopher Landon, a five out of ten on the fog meter, which admittedly is a modest score. But the bigger question is, would you recommend people see Freaky? Heck yeah. It's a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. I highly recommend it. I feel like with just the the minimal awareness that there's... And honestly, the gore that's in it is extreme, but brief. Yeah. It's not pervasive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so for, you know, might have to avert your eyes a couple of times, particularly in the, in the uh, first few moments of the film. But oh my gosh, for Vince Vaughn and... Catherine Newton's performances alone like it is just it is really fun it's incredibly enjoyable didn't even get into the wonderful supporting characters that are oh, in it and the really yeah and the really clever script I didn't even mention the freaking I loved that mo- I don't know why this moment endeared itself to me so much but I love when he's locking his sister well I say he when Millie and Butcher's body is locking the sister into right. the jail cell he's like I didn't know your hamster was gonna die and I'm so sorry and like and, and is like rattling off all these things and then as he's walking out he's he's very much like that was some BS right there like you know he's, <laughs> he's just like I don't know just the way that Vince Vaughn embodies this whole sort of like teen girl persona is really fun and endearing to watch yeah, so i just I just, I just love it tremendously so so yeah highly highly recommend freaky it's a really fun popcorn saturday night if you are in the mood for a slasher thriller that's not gonna keep you up because of disturbing elements so that is that that puts the final chapter of 2020 2020 2.0 it's been fun in the books this has been a blast I've really had a good time. I hope the listeners have had a good time too. We've covered, you know, we 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 start with the lodge and we end with freaky. Yeah, so like, that's, <laughs> you that's know, right. Like, we run the gamut. Um, so next week we're going to be starting this series. We keep pitching to you about what scares us. Can I go ahead and share both that we're doing next week? Is that okay? Well, we're not doing both of them next week. 
we're not going to do both of them in the same episode, but can I say right. what's, you know, the pair that is sort of opening up this series, if you will? I guess so. You don't feel committed. Well, surprises are fun. Okay. But. Should I just tell them next week's? Sure. Should I just. Uh, sure. We're just well, tell you them can tell week. them that the first two are me and you. Okay. The, we'll do that. The, yeah. Okay. But I have to tell them what to watch next week. So well, I know that. that. <laughs> this took way longer than I thought it would. Okay. So next week, we're going to be starting in our series that we've invited you to tell us your stories about what scares us. Um, and so, again, I'll reiterate, if you have not done this, go to the fearofgodpodcast.com, click on the banner on the top. It'll take you to a little survey form where you fill out your name, your email address, and then you can tell us your story about what piece of horror media material or any sort of pop cultural media material um, scared you. And if you want to use the opportunity to impress upon us and influence for us to cover something, this is your window of opportunity to do that. So by all means, fill that out. Next week, we're going to be diving into mine, what scares us entry. We felt it was appropriate. We're going to ask you to do something that we do it ourselves. So um, we're going to kick it off. And next week, we're going to go with mine which is Stan Winston's directorial debut from the 1980s. I've referenced it a couple of times on the show. We're finally getting to cover it because that's what this series is all about. We're finally going to be going to Pumpkinhead, which is a classic of the late 80s. Do you know anything about it? No. I mean, I, okay. I when I went to see if it was rentable, I just saw like a, a image of a creature, but that's, okay. that's yes, all I know. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty so, ghastly image, honestly. It is, uh, yeah. So I don't want to tell you anything more okay. about it because we're going to go into it. And uh, so, and because Nathan likes surprises, we'll leave his as a surprise until next week. So, um, but uh, so yeah, so we are going to Pumpkinhead next week, um, rentable in all of the main outlets. Nathan, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. This has been a lot of fun and honestly went some places that I'm I'm grateful for, but yeah. never would have expected that Christopher Landon's Freaky would have no. sent us to. So, no. um, so by all means, and listeners, uh, thank you so much. As we say on every episode, almost every episode, because I think we forgot it last week, <laughs> the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. See you next week, guys. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork. To Lee Wright, who helped me read Lackey write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.